Hey Star Wars fans and welcome to the latest edition of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host for today, Alistair Clark, and I'm joined as ever by the undoubted Yoda of the Jedi Council, Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Oh. I don't know if Yoda's quite the right term. <laughs> Are you sure? I would say you're the Yoda of our group, would you not? Small, green, shriveled, wizened, um, what's about the green bit, um, um, wizened, maybe. <laughs> Well, we're missing uh, our regular host today, Alex Drew, on account of the fact that he is actually doing something Star Wars related. He's actually off to Orlando, Florida, where he will be participating in a series of runs. Um, We'll talk a bit about that later. So I thought we'd jump straight into the material of today. And uh, we've been having various tweets, and it's great that our audience is growing, and it's brilliant that everyone's participating with us. But a recent poll we uh, held was, uh, was quite controversial, would you say, Dave? Yes, yes. I think it carries on with the controversy still surrounding the, the Last Jedi. Yeah. So you've asked, or we've asked a question out there: Is that the real Luke Skywalker? Hamill himself implies in a video that we've posted. So please do go back and check that out if you haven't already. That he feels Luke's treatment in Star Wars: The Last Jedi was perhaps not how he would have managed it. Now it was actually a very close outcome. Um, for 54% of people thought that, no, Luke is a Jedi and he shouldn't be like this, but 46% said, yeah, this is how Luke is now. Um, what do you think about that, Dave? I was surprised. I really was. Um, it, it's something that I, I think it was said before, it's quite close to my heart. The Okay, I'll, I'll use the term mistreatment. I don't know if everybody else will agree with that. Obviously, 46% of the people don't. Um, but... Uh, 54%, which which was enough to get the UK to leave the EU. Um, <laughs> so um, it's, it's, if, if you listen to Nigel Farage, who I, I purposefully try and avoid listening to, but according to him, that's a resounding success and um, shows an overwhelming support. So um, I guess 54% is an overwhelming support um, for, for what we believe. But no, no. That aside, for me, I was surprised. I really was. I thought it'd be closer to, uh, well, I, I, I thought it'd be a higher, no, Luke is not like this, rather than, well, no, this is Luke now. Yeah. What about you? Well, I, I thought it was very interesting because I think it has once again showed that, and, and bear in mind, this poll is open to everyone and not just our followers that there is still a divide on the way that The Last Jedi has gone forward and people still just want to say that it's a great film. And if you looked on Twitter after it was released, certainly in the UK last week, the majority of feedback from people was that it was a, it was a great movie um, with, with other people who sort of knew Star Wars a bit more and certainly disagree. I mean, I've, I've had, bought it on DVD. I've watched it... Um, two times since and um i i fully agree with you dave and all your points of view and with alex and others so i i kind of um i kind of struggle to understand how it was so close but i think it just shows that you know it's a broad church people have different opinions and this is something that's not going to die down very quietly no no it carries on yeah and um and with pre-production starting, of course, on the film, which we tweeted out recently, um, it's due to kick off in July, I believe. So it's oh. going to be interesting to see. There's already some rumours coming out about old characters returning and what uh, 
what JJ Abrams is hoping to do to to rectify some of the the things that happened in in the last film. So um, interesting use of a word there, rectify. Yeah, I I think well. I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but it's it's freely available out there if people want to Google that it's been heavily rumoured that a a historic character will be appearing in the next film um, to sort of explain some of the things that went on in the last film. Have you picked that up yet, Dave? Or am I speaking no, riddles? No, 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 I've missed that one. Okay, it was, it was announced today in a various of credible publications like variety um i won't say on here because i don't i don't want to spoil it for people but um, i've been trapped at work today so i've not seen anything ah okay um I, so i i just think that's it's yeah it's it's definitely going to keep going have you have you watched it back yourself yet no 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 I've, I've still not seen it okay um after after the one time that i saw it at the cinema i'm still undecided um i guess at some point, I will do. Yeah. Um, but but not at the moment. I'm, I'm, I, I think, in a way, I'm tying, I think, nicely into maybe our next point on this podcast. I'm looking forward to Solo. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to sully <laughs> yes. Yes. With, with The Last Jedi. Uh, my feelings about Star Wars. Okay. Well, just to keep on the, the local news stories for a minute, last Friday um, around the world, uh, obviously the Solo toy range, in particular Legos, was uh, unveiled, which was, which was of great interest. Um, Alex and I, uh, we went to one of the, the biggest um, specialist stores in London to have a look. And interestingly, they didn't stock a single Solo product. Um, wow. And... And indeed, even more interestingly, it was quite clear that toys from the from the Last Jedi were reduced dramatically, Black Series included, compared to other toys. And in fact, it did seem that there, there was a lot less available. So um, we, we we took that that it was that, that there's a problem out there. Um, I don't know if if you've seen that if you've been to any specialist stores recently, Dave yourself. But um, I found that very interesting that on the first day it wasn't in stock. Yes, that that is fine. Um, okay, I'm I'm jumping on here. That, that's Forbidden Planet that you went to, wasn't yeah, it? That's correct. Yeah. Now I'm on their mailing list, and Friday evening, afternoon, evening, I did get an email from them that had the solo toy line. Okay. So there was plenty of things appearing on online yeah. for Forbidden Planet, but strangely, as you say, just not given shelf space. No. And indeed, actually, as you walk into Forbidden Planet, I'm going to try and describe this to, to people that haven't been there in London before. On the left-hand side, there's a huge array uh, from all different things, like uh, Marvel, Doctor Who, but in particular, Star Wars characters, more expensive ones, are in a case. Um, it was hot, hot toys, normally. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was incredibly noticeable that there was some Rogue One toys, there was Force Awakens toys, there was obviously Legacy toys, but not one single toy from the last film. Not one. No Last Jedi's? No, nothing at all. And, oh, wow. And in fact, we go one step further. It was, it was something uh, Alex and I both noticed when we were going through the range of, of toys that there were. So you know how, um, sorry to go back to lightsabers, which we discussed before, but they're called blade builders now. 
doesn't mm-hmm. have like lightsabers very small on the bottom of the packet. But actually, we, we we sort of undertook a little project to see if we could find anything that had the Last Jedi on it, and we couldn't find a single item. Wow! Every single item previous to that had the film on it. Not yeah. this one. So I'm not sure if it was a conscious decision or what's happened with this, but it was just, it, it, I, I expected there to be an absolute rush. I, um, you know, massive store in London oh. and Alex and I were the only people looking at Star Wars toys. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, we've all seen bits and pieces online. I think we might even discussed it on a previous podcast. Um, that toy sales are down. Yeah. Specifically Star Wars we're on about here, not, not other brands. Um, so Star Wars toy sales are down. There's been suggestion that maybe it's, it's toy fatigue, um, which I would agree with if you're talking about flooding the market for children. Yeah. But we're talking collect pieces here. Yeah. You either collect pieces or you don't collect pieces. And if you're interested in the pieces and you're keeping your collection going, then you're gonna you're gonna go for the pieces as they're released, unless you've got an issue with the pieces. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know if you spotted as well from the uh, photograph that we tweeted out that Alex and I were the only one looking at Star Wars comics as well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, there's been a lot of comics out recently and I was, I was very, very shocked by that. Um, it was hard to find the books. It's, it's almost like, um, uh, you know, when you're in a shop, you have point of sale, you put your best items first and you wonder if, if Star Wars is quite the draw that it once was in these sort of shops. Mm, I wouldn't mind hearing from Forbidden Planet. I might call out Forbidden Planet on our podcast here. Um, is there a conscious? Have, have you noticed? I guess that's that's the real question. Have you noticed that there's been a change in toy sales, um, with a particular focus, obviously on Star Wars? Are fans not coming in and, and, and products not moving as quickly as you've seen previously? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the DVD sales of the Last Jedi in the states, you can see it's absolutely flying off the shelves. It's done fantastically well. But we're not getting the same data from the UK, interestingly. Um, I haven't seen a single article mention sales figures. It's been released a week now. Normally you get that, um, which makes me think perhaps they haven't got anything to shout about. Ooh. I wonder what the pre-orders were as well. Yeah. But the pre-orders, because I know, <laughs> using myself as an example, I will have it on pre-order. I will have, I might, to go back to Force Awakens, I've got a dark side, I've got a light side, both of them on pre-order, and have the standalone version as well. Because I love the film and I wanted to see it. Rogue One, I've got the 3D, I've got the, the Blu-ray, and I've got the DVD version of it. Again, because I wanted it, and it was... To be honest, I've not even bought the Last Jedi on video or DVD or anything yet. I'm, dare I say, I'm waiting for it to go into the reduced bin. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I don't think you're alone in that, actually. Um, just from speaking to my colleagues at work, who uh, I definitely put in the more occasional fan bracket, they're, they're waiting as well. Uh. 
So I, I, you know, you see there were a lot of promotions around the launch. I'm not sure if it's the same in the States, but, you know, I certainly got a free book with my DVD. Um, and I think a lot of people were perhaps often when you have a big launch. So let's talk historically Harry Potter, something like that. Um, they use it as a lost leader to get people into the supermarkets or yes. you know, I don't think that's happened with this film because I don't think there's the interest. Oh. The question is, is Disney listening to this? Is Disney going to take this on board? Um, potentially they are with the news that you just announced yeah. about um, a historical character being brought back. Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, so let's let's move on slightly. I, this is, I, I, you're unprepared for this one. Sorry about that. But um, I've got a question. Did you see the Netflix April Fools for the Darth Maul series? That's been a while around for a bit. I saw it last year. Yeah, but it, it resurfaced again this year, and it got everybody yes. excited because obviously the announcement of a live action series, and there was a trailer for it. I just wondered if you saw it, and if if it sort of whetted your appetite and got you more excited for a potential live series. Yes, to be fair, I, I saw it. I, saw, well, I did see it again this year, but I did see it last year when it first. Oh, it might even have been out a year before that as well, because it's it's been rumoured for a while that Netflix were going to do something live action with Star Wars. There's been on and off courting between the two. We know that Netflix has got a relationship with Marvel, sister company within Disney to Lucasfilm. Um, but then, what with Disney announcing their own. TV channel, yeah. there was the, oh, maybe it won't happen, maybe Disney will, will do their own thing on their own channel to get the attendance and the numbers up. Um, so the fact that we now know that there is a live-action series going to be produced, um, the more one I loved, yeah. considering it's a fan-made movie, yeah. it's, it's phenomenally well-made. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's quite a few of them are actually absolutely, and I, I actually think it was there was a huge amount of excitement around it and disappointment, which which shows <laughs> to me that there is still a massive appetite out there, despite the fact um, you know people can be negative about the last film. I don't think the appetite has been um, diminished completely, and I think when we go on to Solo, which if you don't mind, we'll, we should do now. I think that this is becoming a slow burner, and the excitement's building. And I, for one, have been incredibly encouraged by the trailer, and I'm really excited to watch it now. How are you feeling? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> is that is that a yes? I think. Yeah, I, I think that's a yes. Are you are you planning on a midnight showing? I am. I've not got my ticket yet, but I will do. Um, we're just over a month away from release in the UK. Yeah. Um, and obviously in the US, one day behind us. Um, yes, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the trailer that came out at the end of last week, really good. Yeah, I thought so too. I, I really did. I Even for The Last Jedi, when I watched the trailer, I kind of was a little bit dumbstruck with where it was going. But this to yes. me felt like, a Star Wars film and um, I mean Ron Howard's been fantastic obviously on Twitter keeping everyone uh, abreast of what's happening um, and, and my sense is is that um, there's some reputational uh, damage almost to, to be considered with what's happening with Star Wars and I think Disney have realised that this is this is a really big film for them yes 
Han Solo. <sighs> if if you was to count, let's say five characters, and I'll apologise to all of the other characters that I don't include in this. But if you was to count, let's say five characters who encapsulate Star Wars. I'm sorry, you got Vader. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Princess Leia. Yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. Obi Wan. Um, contentiously, maybe I'll uh, uh, party. Definitely. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, definitely. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> Alex would go with that one. <laughs> Lucky I'm not Alex thing because uh, it's a no for me. <laughs> uh, no, I I'm really 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 excited. And so I've we, there's a small article that's gone up on our website, which if you haven't had the opportunity, you can go to our website at jedicouncil.com and have a look at it. And so I, we've summed up a few of just some highlights um, that, that were in there. And so if we could start with the opening of the of the trailer, Dave. Um, we see Corellia. We think it's Corellia for the first time. and it's, Yeah. It's an industrial planet, isn't it? Yeah. And, and we can see the what looks like one of the uh, one of the empires. Um, uh, well, it could be a Starfleet, but it looks like it's just one ship. You can see that from below. It, it's quite reminiscent of um, the first Star Trek trailer from the J.J. Abrahams film, where uh, you can see yes. it being built by Kirk. It doesn't look like it's fully completed yet. But I'm quite excited to see this new world. What, what are you thinking? No, definitely. Um, I remember seeing as well, you saw, almost saw like a, a rodent-y creature running along a cable. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it, I think they're trying to put across the idea of this industrial, warehouse-y type of feel to it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'll tell you what was um, striking with that as it came on. It's the music. Yes. Very different style of music, but not a bad. It didn't, it didn't, because I think that the John Williams score is obviously intrinsic to, to the main trilogies. Although they didn't use it on Rogue One, but it was close enough, to be fair. Yeah. Um, whereas this was completely different. This, this is out there somewhere different, this music. Yeah. Almost western again. Yeah, it didn't, it, yeah, it's a risk, but it didn't feel to me like it was a a massive risk. It, it felt right, and it, it just it went very well with it. And so, I'm I'm all for hearing, um, you know, some. I, I like the idea of Star Wars being pushed a bit. I like the idea of of the sounding as well, because um, there's there's a version of of the new film where it, you can only listen to the soundtrack, and for quite a few people, apparently, it improves it. Um, because the, the music is so intrinsic to Star Wars, um, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear that. No, I, 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 it was it was good, and, and like I said, it was almost like a Western feel to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, They're almost like jingly jangly sound that you associate with Spurs, and I don't know, it is reminiscent of when I was a kid watching John Wayne style, even to the point where you, you I'm sorry, I'm skipping your head here, but you, there's, there's a scene where you see the rear of Han Solo and he's unclipping his blaster. Yeah. And yeah. It's very, very reminiscent of a Western. Yeah. Which is, which goes to the posters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say that then, and it, it kind of 
maybe they were giving something away back then and we just didn't realise it. As well as ripping off Sony. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we move on slightly here and um, we see the Millennium Falcon like we've never seen it before. Clean. Clean. Now, um, I, I went to, a while ago, there was a film that came out called um, A Summer in Elstree. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I went to the premiere where the cast were actually speaking and there was a Q&A with the director. And they said at the time, one of the hardest things on the very first um, Star Wars film was to make the Millennium Falcon feel old and lived oh, wow. in. And they were talking about the techniques, because obviously, as, as you know, with any sort of film continuity... Uh, in any scene, as as someone gets dirty throughout, you need sort of five variant degrees of the shirt as something gets dirtier and dirtier. It obviously doesn't naturally get dirty throughout the filming. Um, and they were talking about how making it look where was something that they weren't even sure what they were creating at that time. And so now, to see it fresh out the box, all Ooh. shiny and white, and uh, there's, a, there's a new part to it as well. The, the, the front pot? Yeah. Between the two nacelle, I don't know what you call them, front um, front prongs. Uh, I googled it and it was mandibles. I don't even know what that means. Mandible. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. I hope it's right. Well, the, the, well, the mandibles are on, uh, um, if you if you look at um, the front of an ant, yeah. the, the jaws that stick out at the front of the mandibles. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a perfect word then. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm very excited to see where this comes because obviously, I mean, what's inferred at the moment is is that it's Lando's straight out the box, and we're going to go on that journey centering around those two's friendship and um, particular Chewbacca's as well, um, mm. which to me seems well, like the perfect plot devices. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um... Lando himself is introduced as a smuggler, the, the, the greatest smuggler. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's interesting. Now, um, two of our followers on Twitter, um, Mina and Sean Marwood. So that is at Mina GP one two two six. A call out for you. I said I would. And Sean Marwood is at SM Marwood. Um, the pair of them said that they were very excited at the sound. Of, of hearing the Falcon again. Yeah. yeah. There is something so iconic about that spacecraft. It is, isn't it? It's, it's a bit like that TIE fighter as well. You know you know it straight away. And it's sort of, I mean, for all the all the thoughts, thoughts in the last film, towards the end when you hear Finn shouting out, they really hate that ship. Mm. I really like that because I kind of imagine they would do. Um, yeah. <laughs> just that noise, you'd hear him think, oh, God, here we go again. Um, I just, I, I really love that. Um, so, touching on the heart of the film is 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 Chewbacca as well, and not only his relationship with um, Han Solo, but with another Wookiee. Mm. What do you think about this, Dave? Well, yeah, you see him almost like head bump and put his arm around a slightly smaller Wookiee. No. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing slightly smaller could mean female, could mean younger brother, brother or, or sister, or wife. <laughs> yeah, a wife. Well, well yes, yeah, so slightly smaller. I'm, I'm thinking it could be his mate. Yeah. Um, Do you think? You saw the? Did you see the holiday special? <laughs> Do you know what I? I. Oh gosh, spoiler here. No, I haven't. Um, I have it on oh. DVD, and I've now tried 
two or three times to watch it, and I'm almost too scared to. <laughs> Everyone tells me how bad it is, and I, I'm a little bit nervous about doing it. I need to do it, and I just, I've had the time. I've got no excuses, if I'm honest with you. But I just, the more I hear about it, the more, is it Celebration Day, Earth Day, Planet Day, something like that? So it, it's, it's, yeah, Planet Day, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah. To be fair, it's no worse than The Last Jedi. Oh, <laughs> did I really say that? You did say that, but I'm, I don't think anyone listening in is particularly surprised that you said it. <laughs> the difference being that the holiday special was never meant to be taken seriously. Well, you say that. Is it to be taken seriously now? Is he about to become canon? Is, is the whole thing, if he has a wife? Well, no thanks. It just means that baby's back. Yeah. Could you imagine if, if there's a sun out there and all of that sort of, you know, getting uh, the TV? Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see you doing the washing up. No. <laughs> well, the Muppets turning up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is why I can't watch it. <laughs> No, you need to. You need to. Right. Okay. I, well, I, you can't ruin. You can't ruin Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it might be able to. But I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes for for Chewie. I mean, if you watch the Clone Wars, there's there's certainly some backstory to him there as as a well as a younger person where he's helping out Anakin and others in some of the episodes. But um, well, yeah, and, and you've got at the very end of with well three quarters of the way through Revenge of the Sith, he helps Yoda escape. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. So, so we've seen him before, but I'm not sure in film we've really explored his character too much. No, no. Um, I've got a Return of the Jedi storybook from the early 80s, well, mid-80s, I guess, and it has all the main characters in the front. There's like a little profile picture and a little bit of text under each of them. And it mentions Chewbacca is a 200-year-old Wookiee. Wow. Wow. So even then, George Lucas had already decided that, that Chewie was old. Yeah. A lot older than you think. Yeah. I, I, I'm really, really excited by that. I'm really, really excited. But there is, there is something which... I'm really keen to to get your thoughts about because we've seen in recent times lots of new droids, um, mm. some more successful than other. Um, you know, BB-8. I happen to like him. I think most people like him, but not everyone. Um, in Rogue One, we saw a new droid. Dave, help me out here. Thanks, Thank you. And you know, I kind of enjoyed it. What did you think about the droids? But we have. A new sidekick droid that we've not seen before. Elf yes, a female one. Yeah. How are you feeling about all the different droids? Are you droided out or are you happy no. to see it happen? No. I, I, to be fair, um, I like that. Um, I, li- I liked seeing BB-8. I've, I've got no issue with BB-8. I'm, I'm not a hater of him. Um, it, whatever. <laughs> um, K2SO, I think, is possibly my favourite droid um really mm, I find that interesting uh, uh, and, and, and to be fair I, might, I think I've mentioned this I don't know if I have but I have I have met 
Anthony Daniels. Um, and he's, he's a gentleman, really nice guy. Um, I met him socially by accident <laughs> in a bar once. Um, and it, it wasn't planned and I didn't realise. And, and no, it was, it was very, very good to meet him. He was a really nice bloke. Um, and then I saw him read out at Celebration in London in 2016. He read from the comic book that was a story around why C-3PO has a red arm. And because I'd met him and because I'm really sad here because I'm going to say because there was some connection, because I've met him socially, I've met him outside of, of any convention place. It was almost it was almost like listening to him read the story to me. It felt very personal and I really enjoyed that. So to be fair, I think maybe C-3PO is still my favorite. Um, but K-2SO is, is a very close second, very close second. That's brilliant. I mean, I I think I had heard that story in a in a previous life of podcast, but as our follower base is ever increasing, um, what what were your takeaways? Did he give away any nuggets or gems about what it was like to be C three PO? Um, hot. I remember him saying it was hot <laughs> uh, and uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, his favourite character is Darth Maul, believe it or not. Wow. Um, which is what prompted the conversation and which prompted us having the conversation. Alex was with me. Um, we had been to celebration in Germany and we were on our way back to our hotel laden down with, with goodies and we were walking past a bar and he was sat outside having drinks and waiting upon food with um, three other people and he beckoned us over and started the conversation with us. Um, he, as I said, I think he's he he is a gentleman, absolutely a gentleman. He was, um, he was grateful for the fans. His view of his, he was very modest. Which when you when you see C three PO and you then almost like build up this image of what Anthony Daniels must be like as this prissy man. Um, self-opinionated righteous for want of a better word and then you meet the man and he is everything that that C-3PO isn't humble uh, intelligent uh, witty but deliberately witty (laughs) (laughs) Um, not because of his character Um, but yeah he, he was just saying how grateful he and and he broadened that out to um the other the other stars to the cast members um to say how grateful they were to the fans he was very much a case of we we wouldn't be what we are now if it weren't for the fact that the movie caught on and the fan base just loved it that's that's brilliant isn't it i mean uh, there's always that thing isn't there is about you should never ever ever meet your heroes because you'll always yes. be disappointed. I mean, it's lovely to to find out. And I, as you said, my sense is, and I've never met any of them other than a few extras, um, um, but my sense is, is they care about the universe they created and were part of and, uh, and are, are really grateful for the opportunity it gave, but they're not afraid to embrace, embrace their character. Um, oh, you know, there are very famous uh, people who were typecast by their characters. I'm thinking of someone like Leonard Nimoy or Spock who actively 
tried to escape it and in fact killed his character off um, yeah. only to go back to it because he actually enjoyed it and direct the next film but, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean I think it's really refreshing to hear that you can meet your heroes have a great conversation with them and and not be disappointed if, if anything the conversation coming out of that raised up C-3PO for me amazing because it, it implies how good an actor Anthony Daniels is. That's that's absolutely brilliant. I really enjoy that. And so to move on slightly, we get to something which I think is really interesting, which is the new stormtroopers of the film. So at the moment, we know that there are at least um, three different types of, of troopers. There's the just normal troopers. There's the ranger trooper which we see in the film. And then there's allegedly this mud trooper. I don't know if you've heard much about that, Dave. But first of all, let's start talking about the ranger trooper. You're someone who collects a lot of figures. You've had a chance to look at it now. Is this something you'll be adding to your collection? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, do, I do like it. I like the the combination of the armour and the fur. Yeah. Um, gives it... Uh, uh, it makes it look much bulkier and much bigger because it's got much bigger boots and what have you. Um, reminiscent almost of, of a stormtrooper, uh, uh, not a stormtrooper, sorry, a snowtrooper. Yeah. Um, but bulkier, slightly different um, helmet again. Um, the front brass plate is, again, it is similar to a snowtrooper's, also similar to if, if you had. Um, an imperial officer. Um, if you consider like the the imperial officers who commanded the attacks on the attack on Hoth, mm. you had the the commander stood behind the drivers of the attack. Yeah, and he wears he wears the grey uniform and he wears a grey breastplate. Um, and if you have a look at the shape of that breastplate, it's very reminiscent of the breastplate that these troopers are wearing. Wow, but you're white. I've I've not heard that anywhere else. That's a that's a great obs- observation there, um, and and their purpose as well. I think is really interesting. So what we know about them so far is is that they are frontier stormtroopers. Mm. So the idea that the empire is expanding, which we know about from the, you know, we've seen how uh, in Clone Wars they were conquering different worlds, separatists, etc. Um, and these frontier stormtroopers form a backbone of stubborn defense against would be thieves and pirates. So I think they're going to come to confrontation with a Mr. Solo. <laughs> Smuggler to be. Yeah. But um, I, I find that interesting that they are developing out further the role of stormtroopers because I don't know how you perceive this, but um, because you're someone who obviously has read a lot more expanded universe than I have. But I kind of thought that there was a limited um, set of roles for stormtroopers and it didn't occur to me you'd have something like this before. Um... I don't know. From the expanded universe, you did have shadow troopers, which were an elite squad of stormtroopers. Um, that said, I've never seen shadow troopers in any of the canon films. Even with these these new movies bringing in new stormtroopers, mm. they're still not unveiled a shadow trooper. Mm. So they're they're still relegated to comic books and computer games. And, and not the movies, um, but now I'm, I'm quite happy to see more troopers. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure um, Hasbro 
uh, are quite happy as well because it means <laughs> that they can push more toy, toy sales. Um, and to be, to be fair to me, I will be a willing buyer of the Black Series um, um, new troopers. Um, well, I know that I know there was a lot of people concerned about you having that hundred pound left over from your birthdays, so um, perhaps it'll be spent on this. Perhaps it could. That's a good point, there, actually. <laughs> and have you have you looked at any of the other stormtroopers, or have you just been focusing on what we've seen in the trailer so far? Well, I'm aware of the Mimban one, which is the mud trooper. Right. Um, I'm excited by that because I want to know why Mimban is in here. Mimban. Um, there was a novel released back in 1977 by an author called um, Alan Dean Foster, and it was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Right. And it was the first example of an expanded universe novel that was immediately superseded by canon and relegated to um, legends. So in this uh, book... The last, the, uh, the I just had a last show, um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which I hardly recommend anybody tracks down if they don't have a copy, because um, it is a great novel, really well written. Um, Luke and Leia, with 3PO and R2, crash land on a planet called Mimban. Exactly the same spelling as these troopers. That's really interesting. You're, you're, you're... And the planet is a swamp planet. Right. So the fact that they're called swamp troopers. Oh, so you 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 think there could be a connection, possibly? I'm hoping so. Yeah. I, um, I mean, it, it can't connect to the novel. Um, well, I say that. Oh, that's what I meant. Could it possibly? Oh, okay. Well, the, the story, the, the novel, the novelization was about a force-sensitive crystal, which. When you then look at, I mean, this this was in the days before there was no real backstory to Star Wars. So this was possibly the first attempt at creating a wider universe. So now we know that the the, the four sensitive crystals are called Kyber crystals. But in 1978, um, Alan Dean Foster wrote a novel about Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was a crystal. Right. And it was a crystal that was force-attuned and would increase the abilities of the force user. Okay. Did you say split, then? Splinter. Oh, splinter. the mind's eye. Yeah. Because isn't that... I I mean, I've been looking at the recent Vader comics, and isn't haven't they sort of redefined how his crystal came about as well? And, in fact, it was splintered. Uh, that, I've read that comic... Um, it's more a case of he stresses it. Right. Because what what he did, he had to take the crystal, a normal crystal. Okay, in the in the older stories, which are now expanded um, legends, the idea was that the Sith had crystals in their lightsabers that were synthetic, which is why they were red, whereas pure natural crystals came in all the other colours. But the the recent Vader comics have, uh, I suppose, canonized now that the Red Saber comes from the the idea that the, the Sith Lord bends the crystal to his will by pouring all his hate and anger into it, or hers, mm-hmm. hate and anger, into the crystal. And so 
cracking it, breaking it, yeah. destroying its goodness, and in in turn it becomes red. Right. And and is, does that go further with Kylo Ren's one as well, and explaining his lightsaber? Ooh, I don't know. To be fair, because we we've never seen the history of his. Or why he's got the, the one with the cross hilts, or why he's got one that seems to fuzz. It could be because the, the emitters have not been aligned properly. Maybe he never finished his training properly, and the, 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 the lightsaber was never properly attuned. Don't know. Yeah, because this is all just um, idle speculation, and if it has come out, I deeply apologise. But um, we saw in Rebels, hopefully you've seen it already, Dave, that Ezra had yep. a lightsaber, which was like. Um, Kylo Ren's, so mm-hmm. it was. So it's, it's it's been around before then, and I always interpreted it that he cracked that kyber crystal so much that his power couldn't just be contained one way. I could be wrong, uh, but that's where I sort of seen it as happening. So it's spilling out the sides. Yeah, exactly. So it's just uncontrollable power and wrath. Mm-hmm. Never thought of that before. So, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, slight, slight digressing, which, of course, um, this podcast is not it's, known it's for common. at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so talking about Jedi, um, I'm sort of of the opinion that we're not going to be seeing them at all in this film, um, for obviously the fact that they're in hiding, um, even though we don't know quite what Ahsoka's up to. <laughs> at this point um, um, but there is no Jedi as far as I'm concerned did you agree with that Dave? yep um, I would say it would be very similar to Rogue One on that basis yeah but then we see Dryden Voss and obviously his part has been uh, it's Paul Bettany now and he's completely reshot it the rumour is of course that 80 to 90% of this film has been reshot um, and he was supposed to be uh, a creature before, and now he's very much humanoid. But he's definitely got a weapon which is of interest, and certainly reminds me of the Praetorian Guard. Uh, what do you think about that? Yes, almost like a an energy weapon of some type. Yeah. Which um, is, I don't know. No, go on. No, because what I was going to say is, um, you know, we, we've sort of seen energy weapons in the... In, uh, recent films, but um, I've, I've never seen anything like this so early on. No, it's much smaller blade, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost a whip. It's almost Indiana Jones style. Yes, or almost almost like a knuckle duster that has a blade that comes out of each side of it. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite excited by what weapons they'll be using. Um, I'd be surprised if there was a Death Star in this one, which would be quite nice for me, personally, not to see one. Um, but I, 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 I just think that what we've got here is new weapons, new stormtroopers, new relationships with um, characters that, we're, that we know about but haven't quite been explored. And at the heart of the film, I think uh, the Chewbacca and um, Han Solo relationship is one of the enduring characteristics of the original trilogy. And to see that form, I think has the potential to be something really special and spectacular. I agree. I agree. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether, because we, we know from Han Solo's round, he was mixed up with the Hux, Jabba particularly. Um, he referred to him as my boy, 
and implied that he looked out for him and cared for him when he was younger or or had his back or supported him in some way. So it'll be interesting to see whether he pops up. Now, there's been nothing shown so far to imply that he is, but it'd be interesting. Um, but the other big character that possibly comes from Han Solo's background, or Han Solo, depending on what you say it with, a, with that pronunciation, um, <laughs> is Boba Fett. Yeah. So he's another possibility. I saw a photograph today with, it showed the Paul Bettany character, what looked like in a tent, or an open tent, awning almost, because you could see sky behind him, but with, with canvas above him. And it looked like a suit of Mandalorian battle armour in the background. Oh, that would be a treat. Oh. The wrong colour, so it's not Fett colour. Yeah. But it was Mandalorian armour. I mean, well, it looked like Mandalorian armor. Well, well, I mean, the whole Mand Mandalorian—it's—it's it's heavily featured throughout the the cartoon series in Rebels and Clone Wars, and yeah. and and it's not really been looked into that much in the film. So I think that would be a brilliant addition if they went down that route. It'd be great. Yeah, it would be great. Dave, I'm I'm really starting to think there could be a load of new collectibles for you from this film. I'm really yes, I too am thinking that I might be broke by the end of this movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling sorry for your wife and Alex's because um, I've seen, well, I've seen in photographs your collections, and wow, um, I, I, yeah, I can't wait to see what you get out of this film. Um, well, I, one of the things that I am really tempted by is the new Millennium Falcon in Lego. Really? Because I, I don't have the UCS one, Andy, Andy, part of a team, Andy Bullcott, he does. Um, but what I do have is the Force Awakens Millennium Falcon with the square um, satellite dish. Yeah, wow. That's um, pretty cool. And, yeah, and, and this is a similar scale model to that. It looks the same size. It's more expensive, much more expensive, though. Current pricing in the UK is 14999 which <laughs> it, it's steep for a Lego set of that size. Expensive yeah. price per brick, I'm certain Andy would say. He's probably even worked it out already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's a similar size to my Force Awakened one, which I picked up for about, I think I only picked it up for 109 So £40 extra for this new Falcon. They've got to make their money back somehow, Dave. Lack of sales elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> but I did, I, when we tweeted out a picture of that Falcon, it, it got a lot of traction. A lot of people were talking about it. Um, so It's a nice-looking kit. It does look nice. Yeah, yeah. Is there, any, is there anything else about the film you, you want to talk about before we move on to our discussion point? Um, I'm, I'm trying to know what the swoop bike riders are. Yeah. That you see at the beginning, again, at the beginning of the trailer, the scene where you see Han Solo... On, on clipping his blaster. Yeah. Um, I like their armour is pretty cool. Um, again, with my collectible head on, they would probably make pretty cool figures um, in the Black Series. So yeah, yeah, that, that looks good. I, I don't know, I'm just excited. I'm, yeah. I'm excited because it's something completely different. He's telling a backstory. Um you know what would be cool, and I don't think they'll do this, but what would be absolutely cool is 
in fact, I don't think they will because now I've seen enough of the tra- enough bits from the trailers and what have you. I'm thinking it is the story really of how Han gets the Millennium Falcon, potentially how he meets Chewie, um, definitely how he meets uh, Lando Calrissian. So it's it's a story with a f- with a finite end. I think I think it is a heist, if that makes sense, or a, a job of some kind. Yeah. And it's the pulling together of all these various different rogue elements to, to, to undertake the heist. Um, and so I think it will have a, a defined end. Yeah. Now, in my head, when they first announced the solo movie, what I thought would be pretty cool would have been almost like a movement through a number of different stages of Han Solo's backstory as he... As he formed his reputation and became this renowned smuggler, um, culminating with him sat in a cantina on Tatooine when <laughs> Chewie brings over an old man and a young boy. Uh, so, so it ends a bit like Rogue One. Yeah. In my head, that's where I was hoping it would go. But now I've seen the trailer, I don't think it will. But even though I had that expectation in my head, I'm still really looking forward to this movie. It, from seeing the trailers, it doesn't detract from what I want to, what I'm hoping it's going to be. It'll be different, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I'm really, really looking forward to this. I'm, I'm looking forward to us all discussing this, and I'm, and I'm hoping, my greatest hope is, is that I think that Star Wars fans are amazing since I've joined the council, I have loved engaging with people, getting involved in discussions. But my sense is it's a slightly fragmented community at the minute if you get into the wrong conversation. And I'm looking forward to all the fans coming back together. I agree. I agree. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling in the community at the moment. Um, I've been active in that community for the best part well as a fan and uh, I've, I've loved the films for 40 years I'm, I'm 45 I've just turned 45 this year I saw the originals in the cinema um, so I've, I've been a li- literally a lifelong fan I've, I've known the films longer than I've known my wife and I've been <laughs> with her 20 years Are you that guy um, on the message boards yeah so it, it has been lifelong and the division at the moment, I would say, is greater than it was when the prequels were released because that did cause a bit of a schism at the time. Some people came back to it afterwards. Some people didn't. Um, maybe social media, because it's more mature now and, and people are much more active on it, maybe that's driven it further. Um, but yeah, there's, there is a massive schism at the moment, and I'm hoping that Han Solo movie will, will in, in some way start to heal that and pull people. It would be nice to. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree with If that. it's done right. Yeah. I yeah. think that's where the expectation is. Yeah, and well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, th- I think that's a nice place to end. I think, that's, I think there was lots more to talk about this film. I think we'll see more trailers coming out or promos um and and as as it develops i think it'll be good to touch on what we're seeing and um yeah i it's just my general observation it's a really great community and i'm delighted to be a part of it but sometimes i just feel like you have to watch what you're saying a little bit and you're sort of censoring sometimes just because people can get angry 
Um, the longer you know me, the more you'll realise I don't censor what I say. Um, I've noticed that. <laughs> um, a lot of people have got this filter in their head. And this filter normally says, Dave, you shouldn't say that. I've normally said it by the time that filter says, Dave, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, that said, I'm, I never say things to offend somebody. I just speak my mind. Um, if that offends somebody, then I apologize because it wasn't intentional. Uh, and for our American viewers, not to get too north versus south, the northern people of England are known for speaking their minds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't go into that, you southerner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But Dave, let's let's move on. Um, for once, we're actually doing really well for time. Um, so this has been mentioned. This Alex isn't here. That's what. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so we we've had a few tweets about this subject recently, and I know it's um, it's close to both our hearts probably in different ways and I feel we'll almost have to tell personal stories to explain this a little bit but Star Trek I would like to say with rather than versus Star Wars the debate um, <laughs> if Alex was here I know he would start off very much with saying the key difference is, is that Star Wars is uh, fantasy Star Trek sci-fi would you like to explain, because we've got a lot of new followers here, why you got into Star Wars, what it means to you, why you uh, love it, and then, if you'll indulge me, I will do the same about Star Trek. I'm, I'm intrigued to find out about Star Trek from you. Okay. Um, oh, where to start? A long time ago, <laughs> in a northern town far, far away, there lived a boy... <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> it's okay, I've got a massive grin on my face while I'm saying that. Okay, so, yeah. 40 years ago, 41 years ago, oh. um, my parents took me to the cinema. Um, I was four years old. It was Christmas time. The film had just been released in the UK. Um, put it into context, I grew up in a relatively poor household and 40 years ago we had a black and white TV, a small black and white TV. I remember watching snooker as a child and trying to figure out the colours of the balls. <laughs> Very hard. You learn to work out shades of grey, let me put it that way. <laughs> Not like the film uh, recently, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea of going to the cinema to, to this massive screen and then by today's standards it probably isn't because it was a small local cinema that no longer exists that is now a block of flats oh. a small block of flats mm. but a block of flats nonetheless I hate that <laughs> um, so to go to this cinema to watch a movie in colour on a massive screen with surround sound where you sat in this big plush seat um it was just amazing. Um, I remember seeing one of my dinner ladies in the cinema. This, this, this entire, the entire two hours of this experience, I think, is indelibly imprinted onto my brain from start to finish. Is, is it one my, of your my, first memories? Sorry? Is it one of your first memories? 
I have younger ones. Um, I have one involving a dog that we used to have and a rabbit. Um, so no, no, I do have other younger memories, but I would say that this 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 memory, these two hours, are burned into my brain, well and truly, with with a uh, a branding iron almost. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I saw I saw I remember seeing Mrs. Berry there and her family. She was my dinner lady. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember it being, well I remember halfway through the, 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 the film stopped and the lights came on and then the young ladies came around with jock ices oh. and that was amazing absolutely amazing they actually brought me ice cream at my seat what you didn't have to pay so, no oh. well I, I think I had to pay I think my parents paid yeah. but um no queuing. They just walked up and down the aisle and, and you bought your ice cream. And then they moved on and then the lights came, went back off and the, the film started up again. It was amazing. Dave, can, can, I, can, I, can I, and this is on the flight, interject now and, and tell you my first memory of, of Star Trek and then we can go on. No, 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 to be fair, because no, man, that's it. That is the story done. Because, because my story is nearly identical to yours in <laughs> nearly every way apart from a lack of cinema. So, um, I am a bit younger. I'm 34. My first memory as a four-year-old, which is why I asked the leading question, Dave, is of coming home from shopping with my mum and dad, turning on the TV, and Star Trek Free The Search For Spot was on. Uh, it's literally my first ever memory um, that, that I can recall. Um, I recorded it i think that i can do every single word to that film including the klingon um <laughs> right now if you put it on in front of me with, with nothing on it other than just the, the film um it it left a mark with me um i used to have uh, a little toy teddy bear rabbit which i used to change into the shape of the enterprise believe it or not when i was a kid uh, my first trip to the cinema was when I was six years old, seven years old, sorry, which was to watch Star Trek VI, um, which was the last one with William Shatner, or we thought it was at the time. It's the last one of the original crew, really. Uh, I'm a massive Trekkie. Um, I love everything about it. The J.J. Abrahams reboot, I went and saw seven times when it came out. I went to the night show and by myself with about 50 other blokes in a, in a not quite so romantic multiplex. Um, I love I love everything about Star Trek and I loved it before I loved Star Wars because it was my first memory. And I can remember, for, for older viewers on here or people of my age, on the VCR, whenever a film was on, you could record it, if you were lucky enough to have one at recording. And so I would record it. And by the age of about 10, not only could I recite all the words to Star Trek 2, 3, 4, and 5, I could also recite the songs and words to every advert in between. Because I've watched it so many times. I can still remember a certain cigarette out. Uh, cigarette advert that if my younger brother who's four years younger than me heard he would immediately know what it was and shout please switch that off uh because <laughs> i forced everyone to watch star trek and um still do in a way uh i last watched all of the original six uh last year in a week because i tend to do it every year big trekkie um, <laughs> uh, but very similar to you actually dave which i think is really interesting that both of our love of it comes from 
uh, a really positive experience as a child. Yeah. Of a similar age. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, so if, if you're looking at years, um, so for me, that's 1990 to 91. Uh, Star Wars isn't in the cinema anymore. No. No, that's true. So I do think there is uh, an element of timing with this as well. Yeah. You'd have to wait 10 years or so. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I did. And I, I remember buying the book for The Phantom Menace and reading it um, before I went into the film. Uh, which was quite cool back in those days. But explain to me then, so what does Star Wars mean to you, both in a personal capacity and in a sort of wider um, sort of social context, I suppose? What has it brought to you? Star Wars is, is a force that surrounds us and binds us and joins all living creatures together. I think that sums up Star Wars for me. Um, well, I, think, you, you see, I think my wife might take exception to my... <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to ask, actually, because, um, you know, um, I, I, haven't, I haven't known you too long, but you're a walking Star Wars encyclopedia to me, which is why um, I love doing this podcast. And before uh, I was lucky enough to do them with you, I, I listened to them. Because uh, you're like an encyclopedia. When you come around and tell me there's a 1970s comic that links to the latest solo film. A, a novel. Novel. Oh, apologies. Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> novel. <laughs> but, you know, published, by, published by Sphere. I know. I can, can visualise the book in front of me. I mean, that, that level of fandom, it, it, it suggests to me it, it, it infiltrates all areas of your life. It does. Um... My desk at work, when I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a different office this week for work, but when I'm at my own desk at work, I'm surrounded by Star Wars bits and pieces. Now, people who follow me on Twitter will probably have seen these pictures, um, but I've worked it out, and, and my wife will never listen to this podcast, so I'm prepared to say how much I've spent. Um, but there's approximately a thousand and a half pounds worth of Star Wars toys on my desk at work. On your desk? Not even at home? Desk. Oh on my, my desk. Gosh. As oh. I said, my wife will never hear this podcast, <laughs> otherwise I will be, I will be divorced. <laughs> Does that include gifts from other people? No. No, there's no gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I, just had this, I just had this sort of... Uh, image of you creatively accounting a situation where actually there's a lot more in your desk that you're just not prepared to put a value to. No, no, that that is purely what I've spent. Wow. Mm. Actually, no, I, I tell a lie. I haven't spent that because Andy Bullcott, um, the other the other member of the council alongside Alex, will testify to this because he's seen me buy. I tend to buy well. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I've got a hand solo. Um, figure on my desk which is about 10 12 year old now I paid only £60 for him um, I, I've looked for a replacement should I ever damage him should he ever demise um, and I'm looking at least 250 for him wow. so yeah if yeah, um, I, I buy well I wouldn't say I've spent grand and a half I, will, I, will, I quickly jump to that I haven't spent a grand and a half but there is about a grand and a half on my desk at work yeah. um, 
And at home, whew, that's about 5% of my collection on my desk. No. Possibly some of the more expensive pieces are there. But, um, yeah, it's about 5% of my collection. Yeah. And so there is a lot of it at home. And my, well, I have a long-suffering wife who puts up with it. She refers to it as Star Wars plastic, and I won't repeat the last word because it's, this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> I can guess what it is. <laughs> um... But she, she puts up with a lot. She allows me to to spend on Star Wars. Um, she might not be aware of how much I spend on Star Wars, but she does allow me to spend. Um, she's of the opinion that we're, we're probably getting close to what we can currently fit on shelves in the in the, the, the shelving cupboards. Um, and I would agree with her, to be fair. I am, I am getting close to that now. Mm. Um, I can shoe on in the odd Stormtrooper from... Um, the solo movies um, but I don't think I could shoe on in the Millennium Falcon at the moment so yeah it does mean a lot to me it, and it's been with me for 40 years I've, I've got figures from my original toy collection from 40 years ago they're battered they're, they're, they, for collectors out there they would be referred to as beaters I don't know where that term comes from, but I, I, I see that term used a lot for the older, tireder-looking figures. And that's what I've got, because that's what they were. They were religiously played with whilst I was a child growing up. Yeah. Um, and, and it just grew from there. And, and, and I collect from all eras, from the original films straight through to the most recent releases. Um, for me, it's what the figures look like, or the pieces look like. They're not just ships and what have you it's what they look like but also how much I enjoyed them in the movies mm. um, yeah and I've got two young boys who it also means a lot to them because I brainwashed them <laughs> <laughs> they're the little had ones <laughs> yeah it was definitely indoctrination <laughs> why not I do, I do have a couple of questions for you for that day but, well one's a point actually so I, I have a I have a good friend um, who follows us called John Clapson, who actually has uh, one of the beaten old toys. He has an original Millennium Falcon. And what he's actually done is he's restored it back to pristine condition. Nice. So he has, and he's photographed it the whole way that he's been doing it, because he's actually gone on eBay and found all original parts. I think he had a problem with some of the stickers, so he had to actually have them created. Yes, yeah. Because he couldn't get the original stickers, but he's actually redone that. And he actually is in the, uh, it, well, it, it kills him, if I'm honest with you. Dave, what is the most expensive Star Wars toy? Remind me. It is... It'll probably be a Boba Fett or a Jawa. It's a Jawa. It's a Jawa. Yeah. And it goes for, he's got one without a cape. Oh! <laughs> yeah. And the vinyl capes. Yeah, he tore it off. It's one of those battered toys. So if he'd yeah. kept it, if he'd kept it in proper condition, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's, um, he's a really cool guy, John. But um, I, what was interesting was, how do people respond to you when they see all of your collection on your desk at work? Ooh, um, well, firstly, I would say that I have a very um, a, a, um, understanding company that I work for. I work for a um, creative communications company, so I guess creativity is in there. Um, we have a, a, a managing director who 
claims to celebrate diversity in opinion and, and how people are. And I guess I'd probably fall into that mould because I'm, I'm, I'm not your normal work colleague that you sit next to. <laughs> um, yeah, it stimulates conversation. Yeah. You get people wander over because pretty much everybody recognises what they are and knows that they are from what they are. Some people walk up to me and joke, ah, oh, very nice Star Trek, May they, uh, um, uh, live long and prosper. Um, <laughs> but for, for, for the most part, people know what they are and and, and it stimulates conversation. You, you'll get the odd person, you'll turn up my head and, and say, um, I'm sure you've added another piece since I was last here. Um, but no, I, I, uh, there's one person in the office who is um, less than enthusiastic about my collection, let's say. Oh, okay. um, she has voiced that opinion repeatedly and it just falls on deaf ears. I, I spend over 40 hours a week at my desk. I, I work incredibly hard to earn the money I earn. And if I can't surround myself for those 40 hours with things that I am working towards achieving, then what's the point in having them? Yeah, that's, I, I just want that's, that's, that's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I'd almost be quite interested to hear what our listeners' experiences of that are. I mean, I work for uh, a very progressive, but a law firm, and I can't imagine that happening where I work. And I think it's slightly poorer for that. I think it's really cool that you can do that and express who you are and, like you say, uh, have conversations about your fandom. I mean, it must every time a film comes up, it must people must want to talk to you about it. Oh yeah, that's that's my opinion. It's like it's almost like, oh, Dave will know about this. That's really cool. That's really cool. So moving this on. Slightly. Well, go, um, going back to you and Star no. Trek. So, how much does it mean to you then? Because you you asked me about Star Wars. How yeah. what, what does Star Trek mean to you? Well, I'm not. I have to start from a slightly different premise because I'm not a collector, and I have been almost slightly ashamed to talk about my fandom because it's not really cool to like Star Trek. It's not really cool, and so um, you know, I played like football, rugby at school, things like that. And so you didn't really talk about it. It was sort of like my dirty little secret, which I think is a shame when you when you look back at it. Um, but I'm not really a collector. I don't really do that sort of thing. Um, but what Star Trek meant to me is I'm, I'm an optimist. Um, I'd like to think that Star Trek is a universe where people can come together and work things out for the better of everybody. I loved the idea of a society, and I'm not getting into politics of liberalism uh, versus socialism, etc. But I liked the idea that everybody worked towards the idea of bettering themselves, and that's the primary objective. And then once you've done that, is to go out and explore, but not as a conqueror or an invader, but just to explore to be there, to see what's out there, to reach... Look at the next horizon. Yeah, exactly. And so I I loved the the hopeful overtones of it. I loved Captain Kirk. If I could be anyone in the world, I think I'd be Captain Kirk. Um, because he gets himself in difficult situations. He's brave. He's strong. He's charismatic. He's 
good with the ladies. Um, but he's <laughs> but he's someone who who, when everything's down, is a good guy that you can rely upon and will get you out of trouble. And I just, I, I think sometimes it's easy to get lost up in negativity and the mundaneness of everything. And Star Wars was, Star, sorry, Star Wars, Star Trek was, was sort of my secret escape into a different world. Um, you know, I knew these people almost, it sounds ridiculous, but they almost felt like friends. Like, you know, Scotty's the guy who fits something, you're communications. Um, I, I grew up with these people, um, and the relationship's oddly personal. I mean, I've, I've never met William Shatner and I don't know what I'd do if I did, because he's like a hero to me. Um, and even though he's just an actor and if anyone's watched Galaxy Quest, I think, it's a brilliant um, uh, well, Mickey take of, of Star Trek. Yeah, and it's just a great film. But, you know, it's, it's true. For the fans of, of Star Trek, they are... They, they matter. They matter to your life. And, obviously, um, before Celebration of Star Wars came out, obviously, after Star Trek, the original series was cancelled after a few seasons, um, conventions were a big way of the community getting together. And there's obviously many documentaries about this. Um, and I love the idea that people could express who they were there without prejudice. And I love the idea that people weren't judged. And, and, and I just, you know, it puts a smile on my face. If, if I'm not feeling great, I can put on one of those old films and immerse myself in that universe. And be the very best person of myself again. And I love that. I love that. So, yeah, that, that's why I love Star Trek. Oh. That's really nice. Thank you. Really nice. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was actually going to ask you, because I, I, I think Star Wars, um, you know, you've discussed about your collecting, about your initial experience. But we haven't really spoken about the storytelling. And to me, you know, the, the original trilogy in particular with George Lucas, the master storyteller. Um, how, how do you feel thinking back to how it's made you feel and indeed makes you feel today? Because obviously you can get, um, uh, I wouldn't say ang- well, to a degree, angry about where it's gone with the last film because you care about it, because you care about it. So how, what's your emotional connection to Star Wars? Mm. Not, not too dissimilar to yours and Star Trek in some ways. Because the original movie for me was called Star Wars. It's not A New Hope, it's Star Wars. And it'll always be Star Wars, no matter how much um, you call it anything else. It is Star Wars. Um... But what I did like about it when it became a new hope was the fact that hope became more of a theme and Rogue One capitalised on that ridiculously. Mm. Um, And that links back to what Star Wars meant for me as a kid. It is about hope. It's it's about... Because originally the original... The original Star Wars movie was made in such a way that George Lucas never thought he would get a chance to do any others. Yeah. So it's a full story in one go. 
where the baddie spins off into the space just in case he does get a sequel. But the reality of it is, it's it's a self-contained story in the start, a middle, and a finish. And he teaches a story that you can be a child of humble origins, something that Ryan Johnson has attempted to emulate with Ray badly. Um, I might add, um, but. Yes, it teaches a story that you can have a child of very humble beginnings. Now, now, again, if you go back to my background, and it is quite sad really when you tie the two together, I came from a very humble background. But there was this idea that you could be the saviour of the galaxy. And and it's, so for me, the story is a story of hope. Um, Of all the characters, I love Han Solo. Mm. He's your older brother character. Yeah, yeah. But Luke, for me, is the character that, that I bonded to. Because? Young kid, grown up in a, a dead-end world, nothing, no future, looking on aspirationally that one day he'll join the academy. He's heard about this rebellion thing that's happening and he's taking over different star systems. He wants to know what's going on in the wider universe. He wants to escape from the humdrum everyday life. And that was me growing up. Mm. And I think, yeah, that, that's where it resonated for me. With the story of hope. Yeah. A story that you can you can change your future. Yeah, I I think you've put that absolutely brilliantly, and I, and I think one of the masterful things about the original trilogy in particular is I think any child who feels like that today and picked up that DVD or started streaming it or however people watch it, they'd have those exact same feelings today. It, the story hasn't aged. No. It's timeless and it's classic and it's relevant and the feel-good factor of it remains. It's not dark. It's not, um, it's, it's not overly violent. But it teaches you lessons. And I, I mean, that's what I personally take away from it was that it was... Like you say, the journey of, of Luke Skywalker. Um, I, I was hooked the first time. I, I, I can remember watching Star Wars for the first time and just being spellbound because it's 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 more of a story than Star Trek. Star Trek is a sci-fi series which is about possibilities and getting from A to B. Blah blah blah. Um, there is obviously arcs within it, but but to me. Star Wars is a more complete story, and yes. and it it's like you said it, it just it does it does make you hopeful, but it but it goes beyond that as as well. It it makes you I'm struggling with the words here because you put it so well, but it makes it makes you just feel like a bit like subject that you can be the best of yourself. Because that guy did it, and because there are role models out there, but in a not in a condescending way, but not in a complicated way either. Just a brilliant way. There's a middle ground, and it finds it perfectly. Yes. Yeah, I think that sums it up very well. 
there was um, a film from it's got to be 15, 10, 15 year old now it's called A Knight's Tale yeah and it's starred Heath Ledger I remember it <laughs> um it's, it's one of the few films that my wife and myself will both sit down and enjoy. Yeah. Because we have such different tastes in, in films normally. But um, there is a scene in it where um, Heath Ledger's, who's called William, actually, so he's got the same name as my eldest boy, um, Will. Yeah. Um, his dad turns around to him and tells him, you can change your stars. And I think that's, that's what Star Wars says to me. Brilliant. Brilliant. I realise we've got a little bit personal here for our viewers, but um, I kind of feel like Star Wars is a very personal thing, and I'm I'm quite. I mean, I'm delighted to tell my story, and I think you've done an amazing job as well at doing it, Dave. I we could get into who would win in a fight of the Enterprise versus <laughs> the Death Star or the Borg or that sort of things. Um, I mean, there are technical articles out there about this. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read them, Dave. I have. I did. There are indeed. It's quite scary. <laughs> it really is quite scary. And but some of the best scenes. I don't know if you ever seen YouTube videos of Kirk versus Darth Vader. Um, I love. Oh that. yeah, you, you, I saw a meme once that was um, um, a stormtrooper shoots and a red shirt dies. <laughs> and it's, it's the idea, for, for those of you that don't get that one, um, it's the idea that on every episode of Star Trek, a red shirt dies. So if you're wearing a red shirt, you're going to die. <laughs> yep. um, Unless you're shot. But stormtroopers, yeah, yeah. Um, but stormtroopers always miss. But the paradox is that if a stormtrooper shoots, a red shirt will die. I always thought that was so great. That is great, that is great. And I kind of feel at that stage we should close our Star Wars versus Star Trek discussion unless you've got any final points you want to make. No, to be fair, I enjoy both. Um, I, I, I don't think Star Trek will ever replace my love. I grew up watching the original... Well, did I? Yeah, I guess I did. It was on BBC. Um, we used to watch the original Star Trek. Now, it was reruns. It wasn't the original show. I'm not that old. But um, <laughs> I, do, yeah, on BBC I do remember too, watching I remember them. this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was old enough that the movies were coming out and I was a child. Yeah. Uh, um, so I do remember the movies coming out. But, um, no, for me it was... It's like, it's like you said, I, I think Star Trek is more hard science as well, yeah. whereas Star Wars has always had that mystical element to it. It's, it's space wizards and space knights riding space horses to rescue space princesses. That's where it is for me. Yeah. And I like the fact as well, I mean, I, I think both live in perfect harmony myself. And I think it's actually quite cool that J.J. Abrahams did direct both films um, because it meant you could use experiences from both to benefit both franchises. Um, mm. franchises very American there. Um, but... But I also think it's really key to remember that if Star Wars hadn't been a success, there'd have been no Star Trek film. No. Uh, it was because well, that was actually what Paramount uh, had as a response to the Star Wars phenomenon was to bring back Star Trek film. But then again, if you look at some of the CGI in Star in Star Trek, uh, particularly the motion picture, but also also Rafa Khan, that then pushed um, Industrial Light and Magic and Lucasfilm to improve further on their end. So I do think it was a healthy competition that pushed 
both forward and in the end made it better for all of us. Yes. Ultimately, Star Wars won, obviously. Well, <laughs> Star Trek knows how to do an expanded universe. <laughs> There's no Last Jedi problem. <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. I mean, I mean, there were some bad films in there. But... Just, just, just wait until Ryan Johnson gets hold of a Star Trek movie. <laughs> well, it's good. Tarantino apparently in the next one. He can't do worse. <laughs> yeah, but he's, you know how he said he would only do one more film and it could well be the Star Trek film, which is just amazing. <laughs> Imagine a Tarantino Pulp Fiction style Kirk. Oh my goodness. I know, I know, the one vloggers right. But anyway, you, you mentioned earlier and I think we've, we've tried to do this and it'd be really great if people could let us know their questions on Twitter. We're an ever-growing community. We're past 400 followers now and we really love interacting with you all. So we've put out a, a tweet earlier today asking for any questions, and a couple have come in. Um, you've got time to discuss this? Yep, yep. Okay, brilliant. So um, first one, which I'd like to talk to, um, comes from Mara. Do you want to say a little few words about her? Because I know she's a long-term follower. She, she is. Um, she loves R2. What can I say? There's nothing wrong with that. C-3PO, C-3PO is obviously better, but <laughs> R2 is, is a decent enough droid in his own way. Sorry, Mara, I can't there's, resist that. There's one less fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well th- th- there you go. Um, here's a, a suggestion for Mara. If, if she wants to tell you from R2's perspective, all she has to do is join us one day. I think, I think that would be great if we could have some guest commentators on for some segments. I think that would be brilliant. But she yes. she asked the question. She well, it's, it's sort of an observation as well about the new solo film. I've been looking forward to the dynamics between Han and Chewie. I think Ron Howard nailed it, at least from what I've seen thus far. Love the fact she said "thus." By the way, um, I've always seen them as two misfits that teamed up and it formed a lifelong friendship. Yes. Anything to add to that? No, no. I I totally agree with Barbara on that. Even if I don't agree with on the droid. Yeah, I agree with her, and I commend her on her excellent grammar as well. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I work in comms for a law firm, and I just like, oh, that's a wonderful tweet. Um, so, yes, uh, and also we have a another question, which um, I think could be interpreted in different ways, but let's try it. Um, this comes from Alex Harris, and it says, um, I was thinking, stormtroopers don't actually have terrible accuracy. Controversial in itself. But... The Force naturally draws blaster fire away from long distances. What do you think, Dave? Um, well, firstly, if you've ever worn a Stormtrooper helmet, which I have, it is almost impossible to see anything out of it. <laughs> so the fact, I, I, I think that the whoever designed the Stormtrooper helmet for the Stormtroopers was possibly part of the Rebellion secretly. <laughs> um... So, so that that's one one observation from that. But um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued by that because you, if if you look at all the movies, you see implausible scenes where individuals walk through gunfire and are not hit. So, for, for example, my opening scenes of Star Wars when you've got R two D two and C three PO. 
they crossed the corridor where Imperials and Alderaan soldiers are shooting each other up and down the corridor, and they don't get touched. Yeah. You've got the scene where, again, in the original movie, where Han Solo is on the Death Star and he's chasing the stormtroopers because they don't know what's chasing them. And he comes around the corner, all of a sudden he's confronted by hundreds of stormtroopers. He turns around and then starts running the opposite direction. And he doesn't get hit by any stormtroopers. Um, if you look at the, the... Okay, if you go to then to the Rebels cartoon, you have the scene where Kanan unveils the fact that he is a Jedi or, or he was a Jedi when he says um, um, a lot of people are going to know the secret now, kid. And he assembles his lightsaber, steps over the, the, the crates and starts walking towards the stormtroopers, dodging lightsabers, literally just moving his head out of the way just in anticipation of, of where the, the, light, the, the blaster bolt's going to go. You've got... Chira Emery on Rogue One, where he has the ability to to mystically say, um, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me, whilst completely avoiding every blaster shot fired at him before he can hit the button. Um, obviously, after he's hit the button, he's then fair game. Um, so for me, I think the Force does have something to do with it. Yeah, I, I think if, if if you go back to this idea that the, the, the force surrounds you and, per, and and permeates you, it binds the universe together. You go back to that as an idea. In the Star Wars universe, every living thing and that could be taken to also mean droids because they are sentient has a connection to the force. Whether it's a known a known connection, whether it's it's. Um, controllable as the Jedi's and the Sith do or whether it's completely unconscious and it's put down to luck and chance Han Solo he's lived a gifted life and managed to survive many a death just by the skin of his teeth could that be down to the fact that the force was with him he was in tune with the force without knowing it and just able to survive so are you, are you saying that the force naturally favours some over others? I'm saying not necessarily that the force favours some. I'm saying that potentially certain characters in the Star Wars universe more in tune with the force than others are. They're not necessarily aware of the fact that they're in tune with the force. So they get that premonition just before something happens so that they move their head to one side so that they get that awareness that if they do something this time, Lady Luck will shine on them. Maybe in that game of of Tabak that Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Maybe it was the Force and he was able to interpret. Um, I, I think that's incredibly interesting myself I think that they're just a terrible shot <laughs> uh, I'm sorry Alex I couldn't disagree with you more I just think you know train them better they just can't shoot you know, it's just just nonsense chat <laughs> just shoot better for god's sake <laughs> so that kind of sums up nicely uh what we want to talk about today 
Um, just a small little plug for our dear friend Alex, who isn't here today, as I said earlier. Um, Alex and I actually met because uh, Alex gave me my first job in London over 10 years ago. And uh, recently, a dear friend of ours passed away. And Alex is doing a run, well, actually, uh, three different runs uh, in Florida in his memory. He's um, made uh, great progress so far. And if any of you want to donate towards the charity, which is um, a hospice where our, our friend was. Um, we'll be posting those details up on the Jedi Council Twitter feed within the next few days. Um, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight, Dave. I've really enjoyed learning from your insights. Um, don't forget, everyone, that you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. You can subscribe to our podcast on um, iTunes. And um, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating if you're listening or leave some comments. really helps us... Uh, generate um some more followers in terms of opposition leaderboard so it'd be really great if you could do that um is there anywhere else they can follow us dave yeah you, you did that deliberately <laughs> you can also find us on soundcloud for anybody who isn't uh, wedded to itunes you can find us on soundcloud for free oh, what a deal <laughs> so um dave do you have any final thoughts just about um what we've discussed tonight solo last jedi Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, what's your final thought? Star Trek isn't bad, to be fair. From from someone who is lives and breathes Star Wars, Star Trek isn't bad. It's not Star Wars, but it's not bad. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to Solo. And in the words of Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One, I have hope. He has hope. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll try and be doing this very regularly, so we look forward to speaking to you all again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, the Force will be with you.